Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Code 321 podcast. Today we're going to be talking about leadership, leadership in EMS and leadership in your daily life. I brought two very special guests with me today, people who have been really successful both on the fire ground. Both of them have been mentors to me and developed me as a person um, throughout my young career and still to this day. I always go to them for advice when I'm looking to get better at my interpersonal skills and getting ready for those promotional exams and working through my career. These are two people I always look to for advice. They also have a very strong background in business development in the private sector. They both have owned very successful businesses with tons of employees and have done a really good job of growing those businesses um, in terms of their interpersonal development and working with their employees to make sure that everybody's having a great experience. Um, The first guest we have with us today is Matt Kozlowski. He was my fire lieutenant, my immediate supervisor at the Williston Fire Department. Um, He also owns Green Mountain Messenger in Williston um, and has developed that business pretty substantially since he took over. Matt, why don't you say hello and just tell them a little bit about how you got into the fire service and and how you ended up where you're at today. So uh, I've been involved in the fire service for about 16 years now. Um, I've been on several different fire departments, um, starting off with uh, the city of South Burlington as a call staff member. I was there for four years. Uh, I then moved moved on to uh, Fairfax um, for a couple of years and then uh, most recently I was uh, in Williston as a lieutenant for the last eight years on the call staff as well. Um, for my regular daily job I'm the president and CEO of uh, Green Mountain Messenger. Um, we operate all throughout New England and uh, have five locations and about 230 employees. Great. We're really excited to hear your perspective on some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, the next guest I have is Dave Ariyama. Dave and I worked in Williston together as well. Dave is a senior firefighter over there. He's also involved in the um, Vermont uh, USAR team. He's a great ropes guy. He's one of the go-to people at um, Colchester Technical Rescue. He's got a ton of experience. He also owned Mexicali. For those of you that are local, you may have eaten there before. Delicious tacos. Say hello to everyone, Dave. Hello, everyone, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about how you ended up in the fire service because you have kind of a unique experience because you came from the business world and decided you wanted to be a career firefighter, which is a really interesting story. And there's probably listeners here that want to do the same thing. So you could talk a little bit about how you made that transition and maybe how some of those things translated over. Absolutely. Um, Way back in my younger years, I grew up in Burlington, um, was a full-time fire department. So volunteering wasn't really something that was... uh, I was familiar with in the fire service, so I made my way through school, worked in a grocery store, um, went to college, and I uh, grew up with Burlington firefighters living on the same street as me, dated a Burlington fireman's daughter, (laughs) and had another fireman that lived, uh, you know, uh, three streets over. Bottom line is I've been around the fire service, but not directly. Um, I always had an interest, but opportunity didn't seem to present itself for me to jump in at my younger age. Um, fast forward lots of years, I worked uh, for as a manager in a supermarket business, and I moved into owning my own restaurant, which was pretty successful, um, and I enjoyed doing that, and that was in Williston. Then the fire department opportunity opened up and in Williston because they allowed... Um, 
volunteers or call staff members to spend the night or do a shift, a 24-hour shift, whatever your availability was. So I could still run my business, get out of work, go and run a fire shift at the Wilson Fire Department. And so I thought that was very, very uh, appetizing. So I jumped right on an opportunity. And 11, 12 years later, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, right. And it's actually interesting to point out that all three of us actually went through that call staff route. So there is that intermediary position between strictly volunteer where you're just doing it um, to the best of your ability and you don't get paid for anything and you may or may not make all the trainings and you get involved because most people work full-time jobs elsewhere. Um, And then some people can't go into that full career service where you're there every third day or you know, a couple times a week or whatever the shift schedule is. And the call staff opportunity is really unique because you can work shifts, you can live in the station. And a lot of the call staff members we've all worked with kind of caught the bug, whether they work at that department or other ones. Um, also interesting to point out, uh, Whitney King used to be your business partner. Is that right? That's correct. And he's now in Norwalk. That's right. Yeah. So shout out to Whitney King. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you're not, but, uh, if you are shout out to you. So, all right, boys. So we'll jump right in if that's all right with you. So Um, One of the first things that I want to talk about is if you're new to EMS or you're new to the fire service and you go on your first call, there's some challenges that you're going to run into with leadership, either being a follower or a leader, and difficulties you're going to run into with your interpersonal skills, both with the patient, with the bystanders, with the medical team, the hospital staff, um, everyone else that you're going to encounter. It may be a little bit different than you going to the grocery store on your off day. Uh, Matt, let's start with, do you want to talk a little bit about what your early experiences were in your fire and EMS career, um, and maybe a couple things about some of the skills you wish you had a little better of a handle on when you actually were out there in the street? Is there any communication skills or anything that you felt like were really coming into play early, even as a as a newer member? Well, I think, you know, as, as a newer member, I was always taught to keep my mouth shut and just listen so uh earlier on in my uh in my career uh really where i learned the most of my skills and and abilities uh, was when i was with the city of uh, south burlington as a call staff guy and uh i was just surrounded by a great group of uh you know uh senior guys uh that would take me under their wing and lieutenants um and and it made it really easy for me i would say earlier on in my career because i had just a great group of guys that i looked up to and when i had a lot of my first experiences where whether they were you know serious ems calls or fire calls and i was experiencing new things that were you know stressful or or things i didn't know how to handle um i always had somebody to look up to and somebody that kind of you know uh, had me under their wing and and uh, kind of walked me through it and coached me through it so um you know earlier on i think having a good mentor and a good leader that like cares about you and wants to see you succeed um is is really really important and uh you know for me i was fortunate enough to have you know plenty of those guys over there that kind of uh uh, coached me through it got me through it and uh you know built up those skills you know that i have today and that kind of segues into you dave so if you so you're the senior guy right on your shift so and Wilson's been expanding so if you have someone that shows up and it's their first day and they walk in and you start working with this person and running calls with them and going through the recruit school what's something that what's a characteristic or a behavior that you really want to see out of those entry-level employees yeah Matt was first thing that Matt mentioned and that's uh, being able to follow directions Uh, and listen Um, observe if but following directions is really 
if you can't follow directions, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. So one of the things you guys know this, but one of the things that we do at my department is something as simple as baking chocolate chip cookies. And the reason we do that as, as silly as it may seem, and maybe it's because guys like chocolate chip cookies, but honestly, it's because we're trying to see if we put a bag of chocolate chips in front of them with a recipe on it and they've never cooked before. Can they follow the recipe and make successful cookies? And that may, that may seem simple, seem kind of simple, but if you can make chocolate chip cookies by having that recipe in front of you, even if you've never done it before, then that gives us a little bit of a insight into if we give them an SOG and all of a sudden we need something to happen either on a fire EMS call. Now we know if they can read chocolate chip cookies and make that recipe properly, maybe they're going to be able to read an SOG and do that properly, you know, and that may be something similar, but, um, Matt, let's go back to you for a second. So you own green mountain messenger here. Um, let's talk a little bit about when you have new employees, how do you, bring an individual into an organization and have them become part of the team that you have here? What what kind of strategies do you use? What kind of training techniques? What kind of um, interpersonal communication or development do you do with that person or delegate to be done with that person um, so that they can buy into the greater mission of what you're trying to do with your company? Sure. Yeah. So uh, to come on board, basically, they go through the, you know, regular application process. They submit an application. It gets reviewed. Um, they receive an interview. And, um, you know, it, if uh, if they get hired, uh, you know, employment is offered to them. Uh, then we have what's called the new hire orientation, where one of the operations manager um, will bring the new new employee on board. Um, we have, you know, an, ex- an extensive, you know, safety protocol and uh, employee training handbook that they have to go through. Um, a lot of drivers have to go through specific training and courses that they need to get signed off on and get certified in, uh, especially a lot of our medical couriers. Um, so once they go through the orientation and, and the job specific trainings, um, then basically they, they go out on the road with, with a trainer, another driver that's trained in what they're going to do, and they get you know um, X amount of days uh, training with another individual that shows them how to do their job and then uh, essentially uh, you know make sure they're good to go before before they go on their own um, and then after that once somebody goes solo you know uh, one of the managers will check in with them you know maybe at the end of their first day second day week second week uh, I like to check in with the guys and just be like you know how are things going how do you feel is there anything we could do um, to help you you know be, be more successful how you feeling just that little bit of uh, you know coaching and, and maybe giving them uh, some positive reinforcement at the end of their first shift really helps them you know build their confidence and and kind of set them up for success absolutely and and there's a little bit more to it than just paying them well right because you can kind of make money doing whatever and we know plenty of people that make good money and they hate going to work every day what's something that you do with your employees from the bottom to the top to make it a fun work environment and something where they feel uh, like they're being rewarded for working hard how do they how do you keep people here once they're here is there any ways you do that besides just paying them? Well, I mean, you know, some people are just here for the money. Some people uh, are here to get away from the wife or, you know, they're retired. They want to make a little bit of extra money for golfing or whatever the case may be. But uh, one thing that, you know, I, I've worked my way up from the bottom. I used to be a driver and, and, I, and I worked up from being a driver to working in the office in various different roles, eventually being, you know, uh, 
the CEO of the company. But so I can relate to all the troops that work for me. And, you know, they're, they're the ones out there that are working every day. And the drivers are what makes my company successful. So, um, you know, their job and their role is they're out there, they're in the front lines, they're representing the company, they're, you know, they're out there giving our customers great service. So I, I've always really like to show people appreciation. I feel if somebody is appreciated, and they feel appreciated where they work, they're gonna wanna do a good job. So whether it's giving them a little $5, you know, thank you, uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts card or giving them uh, an Employee of the Month uh, award to show we do an Employee of the Month at each location where they get a gift card and they get their name embroidered on a plaque. Sometimes it's a shout out in our company newsletter where if somebody does something great, maybe they have a great driving score, they did something good or they got a compliment from a client. Um, to me, showing appreciation um and just saying thank you and you know i think that goes a long way to uh to guys that you know and and that makes them want to come to work and 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 when they feel wanted and appreciated absolutely i don't think i could have said it better myself and dave i know you and i feel pretty similar on this and um matt i'm sure you do too but uh, one of the things that I look for in a leader for me, whether it's just my officer or the chief of the department or anything, is what Matt was talking about, about knowing that they know what it's like in your shoes, knowing that they come, they came from somewhere that was similar to what you were going through. And I know in, in Burlington, you know, something that we can take away is those officers promoted up through the ranks. They were on probation. They were out firefighter they were assigned to the ambulance like they had those long nights they had those tough days they were tested and they were um you know developed as those junior people until they became you know those senior roles and promoted up through the ranks and that always carries a lot of weight with me if someone's telling me something if i know that they've been there and they've done that and they can do that it always carries more weight for me um dave is there anything that you do with your newer members how do you kind of show them that you're there for them and you support them you know but also give them enough uh leeway so that they can prove themselves any balance to that uh well first thing you do is trust them and they need to be able to trust you and if you don't have any integrity then you don't have any trust um and so that's that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that i instill in my junior uh, members and even chiefs and captains that are above me is they can trust me I want to be able to trust them um, and I think that's the most important piece and the, the second piece of that is letting your members know that they stand behind you that you know, I, I personally would stand behind my junior guys um, if they have an, a, an issue they feel comfortable coming to me and being like hey you know what, what what's this all about we don't like this why are we doing this and you know I'll talk them through it but if you know I'll also go to the next level on the chain of command and be like hey listen or you know vice you know or vice you know or vice versa you know be like hey we got this idea we think this is good what do you think this is Corey's idea you know wasn't my idea it's our idea so standing behind your people giving them you know knowing that you can they can trust you and I think that's huge that definitely is huge Matt that huge huge for you too yeah absolutely great so let's do some rapid fire here as we get to the end of the episode Um, I just want to talk a little bit about if you've ever had a situation where you're recruiting members who have experience versus recruiting members who have no experience. So you can think about this from the fire side. You can think about it from the business side, whichever you guys are more comfortable with. Um, I would say something like, say you're, you're an officer and one of your jobs is recruitment and some of these 
departments we've worked on. If you have someone move into town and they're interested in joining the fire department and they come from a fire service background, they come with skills that you're looking for with, you know, tower operation time, advanced EMT or paramedic time, they have some sort of asset that we want and they've had experience in that area. Is there a way that you would approach them for recruitment a little bit differently than someone who has never had any experience and maybe just wants to dip a toe in and try it? Or is it kind of a similar um, strategy for both? I think it's a similar strategy for both, really. I mean, I think we obviously would like to retain and recruit somebody that has experience and bring them on board um, for obvious reasons. There's less training there. They can become an asset to the department quicker. Um, so, you know, there's very few and far in between, you know, historically members when I was a Lieutenant Wilston, where we got people that were already certified and, and, and we could just bring them on and, and throw them on the ambulance or, or fire apparatus. But um, I, I would give the same amount of uh, time and attention to somebody that's not certified, as long as I see that their dedication is there. If I bring somebody on and they're really hungry and they want to, you know, they, they're interested in the fire service or they want to learn EMS and I could take them on the ambulance and take them under my wing, you know, wh whether you have experience or not, I wouldn't say it changes my strategy. I just think it's beneficial to the department to somebody can fast track through the program but if somebody's really dedicated and and i see that me coming in on my nights off uh and after work to train with them and and and, and work with them and see that they're into it you know that that's what i love when it came to training was just uh the people that would eat it up and and want to be there and have the drive in the heart so because um, you know you could get a guy that's a tower operator seasoned medic whatever seasoned day emt comes on board but you know they may be burnt out and don't and have a bad attitude and you know hey i already know everything there's nothing you could teach me and you know you you, you get those guys too right so um i don't think i have a difference i don't know about you dave i don't think i have a different strategy no i agree i think you you take uh, both types of people and you treat them the same way you just your efforts are concentrated in different areas um but you mentioned something you know uh, you need to be motivated yourself as an individual coming onto that department or even into a new job if you're not focused and committed it's going to make it tough no matter what type of leader you have it's going to make it really tough to be successful on both sides for the leader and for the individual so you got to be you got to be committed would you say that that is self-motivated task assumption Do you guys agree with that terminology that sounds good. That sounds great. Not bad, not bad, right? So that's something you're going to be looking to show, whether you're first day on your EMS department or your fire department. Um, another quick analogy that we use where I work is something as simple as the most junior person in the room is expected to fill the sugar for the coffee, right? Something really, really simple. And all we're doing, as silly as it is, is not because we don't know how to fill the sugar, because we all know how to fill the sugar, right? We've all been there. The reason we do that is because we want to know if you're a newer person and you're on probation or you're the new guy on the EMS squad or whatever, can you notice that something is your job? Can you notice that something is wrong with something that's your job? And can you fix it without being told to fix it? Because those things come into play when you're working in cardiac arrest, right? If the three of us are on a cardiac arrest and it's been whatever, four minutes, five minutes, and no one's given any epinephrine, one of us will know that that has not been done and one of us will do that and the other two will see that that's happening and we don't have three people pulling out epi, right? And nobody doing compressions, right? That's a real world um, analogy. That is, right? And uh, it's not always gonna be the leader that needs to say, hey, pull out that epi. It could be the junior guy saying, hey, did we give epi yet? 
Yeah, and they're they're busy. People are busy, you know, at the top. And there's no reason that you know Matt has to leave his office and go out and make sure that the fuel tanks are full in the cars, right? That's they have to be able to fill those up. They those people have responsibilities and they need to do those. Um, I really liked what you guys were saying before, and I know all of us kind of share this perspective. Me because I came in um, with you two kind of supervising me, but if you guys come in to do driver training with me, let's give an example, right? So we set a time. Monday night at 8 p.m., you're going to come in, we're going to do an hour or two hours of ambulance training. It's The expectation is that I'm going to be there at 7.45 and be ready to go by 8 to do that ambulance training with you. And there is no faster way to tarnish your reputation and burn people out than not showing up when you say you're going to show up. So if you're the new member out there, if you guys are listening to this and you're starting on an EMS agency or a fire department or definitely a career fire department make sure that whatever you say you're going to do you do that because if these people are taking time out of their day to train you and provide you with what you need they may do this for 20 people a week and for you to not show up is one of the most disrespectful things you can do would you guys kind of agree with that absolutely always be be always be on time and being on time means be early yeah, absolutely. And if you can do those small things like show up on time, show up in your uniform, be ready to go, ask questions at the appropriate time, right? Not in the middle of the cardiac rest, maybe listen to the leader and then afterwards, you know, ask for some guidance and try to further your understanding. If you can do those small things, you know, if you can mop the floor well, you're probably going to be able to overhaul a fire well. But if you don't do the small things well, you're probably not going to be very successful at the bigger things. Um, and that goes for you guys too. Uh, Dave, if you want to talk a little bit about Mexicali, maybe how would, how would someone work their way up in Mexicali? Are you going to, are you going to promote the person who always leaves the freezer cracked open and never mops the floor? And who are you looking to develop into your go-to people? Uh, we'll talk about Whitney King again, because he, you know, he worked for me when I owned my restaurant. Yep. Hello, Whitney. Hi, Whitney. Um, so again, it comes to, um, being self-motivated, following directions, stepping up, at the uh, moment when you're needed the most or someone is needed and being that person that steps up and says, you know what, I'll do that. I can do this. Uh, you know, again, it just comes back to um, who, who's willing to step up for you and what are you willing to do for them to help them? Because, you know, you always get to, you always get to do something for somebody else to some extent to, to show your appreciation. And I think it's, uh, you just got to look for the right person. You got to be that person. You got to be self-motivated and you can recognize that when you're, with a group of people. I mean, you, you know who's motivated. Oh, absolutely. So last two things I want to talk about with you guys before I get off here is um, the first question is why do people leave? Why do they leave your businesses? Why do they leave the fire service? Why do they leave EMS? Is there is there any common theme that you see with anybody? I mean, why would you leave something that you, that you love at any point? Do you guys have any input on that? Either private or government? Well, I, you know, I think there's numerous different reasons, you know, on, on career and both volunteer. I think they both present themselves with like different um, issues, you know, and or reasons. Right. Because with a career, you're a little bit more uh, you're in it for the long haul. Uh, you got a retirement, you got a pension. Right. You're investing your time, money, energy into, uh, you know, promotions and, and working your way up up within the organization so you're a little bit more committed long term you know on the volunteer side for the volunteers out there it's kind of like you know I, I correct me if I'm wrong I heard 
the, the average lifespan of a of a volunteer EMT is something like three years. Is that have you guys heard that? We get we can fact check it after and put it in the show notes, but it is low. I yeah. know that it is low. So I don't know. I think some of the reasons would be you know uh, that I've experienced out there with with folks around me is just you know uh, some people lose interest. Uh, you know maybe departments that aren't as busy don't have a lot of call volume. Folks lose interest. I think call volume is a big one. Um, you know a, another one would be you know if there isn't good leadership um, and you don't feel uh, appreciated on a department and and folks don't motivate you um, y- you know if, if you show up and you put in 110 percent but you know you, you, you nobody appreciates what you do and why you're there and all the hours you put in I think you know people look at it like why why am I here why am I doing this why am I volunteering my time when nobody appreciates what I'm doing and they don't want me here and I think people are like I you know I could rather be making more money or be home with my family and be doing something else um i think you hit the nail on the head and if any of you are listening and you're feeling like that just know you're not alone i think uh everybody in this room for sure and people who are in fire and ems for longer than a few years you kind of get to that point where you are going to have days like that and something to remember is that if you can surround yourself by those magnetic leaders that uh give you what you need to be successful just in the day-to-day if you can work around people and you can really enjoy the crew you're working with and you trust each other like what dave was saying before that can make a huge difference in your day-to-day i know everybody here you've walked in and you looked at the assignment board you've looked at who's on the schedule and there are times you're like all right this is gonna be best man this is like this is gonna be like the best day ever i'm so excited you're in a great mood all day and uh, other times you look at that board and you're like, oh, no, like, how, can I bang out sick? Like, this is terrible. Like, I got to go, man. I got to have to lock myself in my room all day, you know, and just know that try to pay attention to the people that you're around because you want to know, I would want to know, am I the kind of guy where people walk in and they're like, great, man, awesome. Like, this is gonna be a great day. Or am I, you know, that type of person who's gonna, you know, gonna they're going to walk in and be like, oh, no, that's terrible. I don't want to work with them. So. so I got one last thing to comment about that. When I started Wilson Fire Department with zero fire experience, um, I was in fire one and two, The uh, one week, week later after uh, joining the department. And on my first shift, I felt useless because I had no fire service experience or EMS. I felt worthless. Um, so my personal goal was to be someone that – my team members could rely on or look to and be like, all right, you know, exactly what Nick said, Dave's on tonight. This is great. We know he, we know that currently he can do this and that without any um, real direction. We can tell him to go take care of this. And, and, you know, you got to prove yourself throughout the classes. And as you could learn that experience, you go to a class, you're an EMS class and, you know, you're doing IVs, come back and ask those guys, Hey, I really want to get my IVs done. Can you help me out? Right. You know, but if you're not showing any interest, any motivation, you know, it's going to, it's going to be difficult. And uh, my, my biggest thing is that if I'm going to be there, I want to be, I want to be worth something to the, my, the rest of my team. And just to give you a little bit of a illustration on how that worked. I think one of my um, fond memories from Wilson was uh, we went to uh, fire out on one of the more rural roads. It was me, you, and uh, the, uh, I think Emily was Emily. on probation. Emily was yeah. Right. Emily, yes. And uh, so uh, there was, we didn't have any hydrants, right? And, no uh, hydrants. No, we have a two and a half inch hose with the smallest call staff guy, and the you know uh, Emily was there too. And 
we're trying to muscle this thing. And I remember the fire chief showing up and coming up to me and asking who we had there because you never know what the crews can rotate around. And, uh, and I said, Dave's on the pump. And he just said, Oh, great. And then he just walked away like in a good voice. It was like, Oh, great. Like meaning I don't need to worry about that. Like Dave's going to figure out the water. Dave's going to get the, the shuttle going. He's going to figure all that stuff out. And I remember I had a conversation with one of my supervisors recently and he asked me what my goals were because I'm coming up on about five years here and he said you know after five years what would what's your goal for this place and I said if I can show up and make the situation better and have the people around me know that it's going to get better if I can be that person that's inside the building or that's running an EMS call or showing up as the intercept or something like that and the people on the car like oh great things are going to get better like all right great that's my goal I don't I don't care if everyone's my friend. I don't care if I have a, you know, a huge group of people come to my birthday party or go to the barbecue. I care about the situation getting better because I know that just like us three recording this podcast, that being really good at your job and having that drive to succeed and improve, when you surround yourself with people that are like-minded like that, you will naturally grow a friend group. You don't need to make friends when you do a good job and you all feel the same way. Let's jump back to that fire real quick you just talked about. I remember yeah. pulling up on that fire, yeah. fully involved, and uh, there was not a whole lot of communication on the way up because I was confident with my crew. Yeah. Nick was riding in the officer's seat. I was driving the engine. We pulled up. I looked over at him. I said, you know what to do? I got it. And we got out of the truck and did our thing. And that's the type of person that you want working with you. And that's the type of person you should strive to be is that they can look at you and be like, you know what you need to do? And you know the job. You can do the job. And... Uh, you just go and do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and I know you guys know this too, but that comes from time tested experience, right? That wasn't our first time doing that, right? You know, right, there are times right. where we show up to stuff and right. it starts out with something little, Hey, grab me this. And if I come back and grab you the right thing relatively quickly, great. Maybe next time it's like, Hey, grab that and use it. And if I use it properly, great, you know, and then it builds and builds and builds. And before you know it, you know, you're going to a fire, you're going to a cardiac arrest or whatever. And you know that that other person is going to do what they need to do and you know it from experience it's not because they told you they could do it and it's not because some piece of paper said they could do it so if you're newer and you're joining an organization don't take it personally if those people kind of are a little bit close to you those first couple incidents are trying to feel you out and see what you're going to do under pressure and it doesn't mean that they don't trust you or that they don't believe your certification it's just that the only way to build that trust is through time together in those environments it's the only way absolutely so just to, just to end the podcast here, I just want to talk briefly about why do people stay? Why would you stay at a job? You know, and you can think to your careers, whether it's, you know, I remember one of my jobs was unloading semi trucks at night at the grocery store. And as tedious as that might seem, it was actually a great job. I really, really enjoyed it because the people I worked with were awesome. My boss was never on top of me as long as my work was done. And it was all um, based on how quickly I could get my job done well. So if I if I had three pallets to unload and I got them unloaded by 11.30 at night, great, then I could go home, right? Or maybe I would have 10 pallets and maybe it takes me till 8 a.m. But it wasn't this medial time crunching time clock where I have to show up and stay there and look at the wall and do all these other things. And I really enjoyed the satisfaction of being able to accomplish something. And, you know, little things like turning the, we used to take over the PA system at the supermarket at about midnight and we'd blast hard rock right through the PA system. You know, little things like that can go a really long way with their crew. So I don't know if you guys have any experience about that or if there's a way that you use that strategy in your business 
Um, Matt, we can go to you first if you have anything, you know. Just think uh, for me personally, it's if I enjoy the atmosphere and the job, um, you know, and I, and I enjoy being there and, you know, that's and, and the folks that I work with that I'm surrounded with. I think that's enough to, uh, you know, outside of like monetary, comp, you know, compensation or volunteering. I think if I show up somewhere, um, I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm surrounded uh, and I work with folks that I like being around, like you said, whether it's joking around or being able to trust and um, have confidence in the in the guys around me when we go to calls and we go do things, you know, that makes things a lot easier. So I, I would just say, enjoying it being surrounded by people that you know you want to be around and work with and you work with well you know that 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 would be enough to to keep me interested and and coming back and you know i like to bring people up around me and motivate them and and give them positive you know reinforcement and and i feel that you know if you have people that bring you up and don't bring you down it's like hey man you know we all like to do this and you could be in the same exact environment with a different group of people and you're gonna hate it right so you could love it on one department (laughs) you could hate it on doing the same job on 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 another one i think that has a big that's definitely a big x factor I know, I know for me personally, like working on the ambulance is a good example, especially where I work because we're relatively busy. So you're out and about a lot together and it's just the two of you and you run a lot of calls, you go mutual aid, you're just kind of spending a lot of one-on-one time together. And my, I've been lucky to have really good partners and for the most part, it's great. I love it. It's awesome. And then every once in a while you get that one partner and like, you just, you have to like force yourself to not open the door of the moving ambulance because you're like, I gotta get out of here. Right? I can't do it, man. I can't. You're like... And uh, it just goes to show you, you know, there are, people make a huge difference about the satisfaction of the job. And one of the things that leadership can do, even the newest person, is try to bring your best to work and your attitude. Like you may not like something, people may be upset about it, but try to lead from the front. And as far as I'm concerned, one of the things that I always value the most in a leader, I can tell you this with confidence, is having a leader that can do what they're telling me to do well. Right. If someone can do their job really well and they're expecting me to do the same, that means a whole lot more than if someone shows up and tells me my pages of my proposal are out of order, but they've never submitted a proposal. Does that make sense? Right. Like like having someone that has been there that said, we're going to pull that hose again. We're going to start this IV again and I want you to do it this way. And then they can show me and they could tell me why that makes sense as opposed to just critiquing me with no background of being successful in that task. I think a good leader would actually look at your proposal and look at you as an individual and be like, hey, can you help me out sometime? I've never presented a proposal before, but I really like how you did that. And it's looking at an individual, no matter what level they are, and if you can gain something from them, it goes both ways. You don't always have to uh, gain knowledge or experience uh, from someone that's above you. Yeah, absolutely. And if the leader is comfortable in their position, if you know, if you're running, let's say you're, mar- you're running a marketing campaign, right? And you have an employee that used to be the marketing manager for the Boston Herald or came from a marketing background. Are you really going to sit there and tell them that they need to go back to work and they can't have any input? Or would you utilize those skills to make the business successful? Yeah, definitely utilize those skills. You know, I'm, I'm all about empowering people and, and, and entrusting them and letting them do, you know, what they feel they're comfortable with or what their specialty is and i don't like to micromanage folks like i just i can't stand that so i think you let people you got to trust people 
and you have to, you know, have confidence in them and let them do, um, you know, what they need to do. And I think, I think in turn, you get, you get a lot more out of your employees when you trust them and you empower them because then they feel wanted and appreciated and, um, you know, just let them do their thing. Honestly, I personally, I think the two most underused words in the entire foreign EMS service is good job. That's what I think. I think a lot of people do really good work, and I think people get tied up in interpersonal conflicts or power struggles or seniority or this, that, and the other thing or the complexity of the call. And I try to do my best, even if I have someone that I don't really work well with, if they do a good job, that's a good job. It doesn't matter how I feel about them outside the station or what they said to me 10 minutes ago or anything like that. And I think for me, sometimes all I need is good job. Hey, good idea. Hey, good work. Hey, thank you for showing up. That was helpful. Those little things go a long way with me. Well, I want to thank both of you for joining me. Uh, I hope you guys got something out of this. Um, A lot of our podcasts going forward are going to be more of these outside of the book pieces. We're going to try to develop you into someone who has those skills that are outside of the curriculum. So some of these leadership things are stuff that you can expect when you join the fire department, when you join an EMS service, um, when you join a volunteer agency. A lot of these themes are pretty um, com- uh, pretty similar throughout the, the different disciplines. And remember that this can be applied anywhere, right? You, you start a job as a crossing guard and you use these skills, you're going to be that person that they want to develop and grow. And um, it's your job to understand what your responsibility is, be there on time, and on time means early, right? And do what you say you're going to do. Don't be not nice to people, right? So be nice to people. And don't be afraid to communicate about about what you need and ask people for things. It's okay to talk about that. Um, And last of all, don't be afraid to say good job. So if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us through email. Um, My email is nick at netsbt.com. You can also look at our website. Um, It's netsbt.com. Thank you.